Why do some Christian believers especially anticipate the Jewish Feast of Trumpets? Is there anything significant about this annual observance on the Hebrew calendar? And what's all the emphasis we're reading about on the internet for this year's feast? Well, it could be a world-changing event. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. I'm Christine Dark. Are you prepared for the sudden disappearance of multitudes of Christians from planet Earth? Believe it or not, the Feast of Trumpets among evangelical circles has increasingly become a high watch time for the appearing of Jesus in the clouds to collect his followers with the sound of the trumpet of God. This imminent event is called the day or hour that no man knows. The Feast of Trumpets is the only ambiguous date among the Lord's seven appointed festivals, called in Hebrew Moadim, due to the necessity of having to sight the new moon. Concerning his second coming, Jesus stated in Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour no man knows, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Perhaps it's no coincidence that we can't know the precise day and hour of the Feast of Trumpets and the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, because it's the one Levitical festival calculated by the sighting of the new moon at the beginning of the Hebrew month of Tishri. Furthermore, in Leviticus 23:24, the Feast of Trumpets was first called Zikron Tirah, meaning a memorial of trumpet blasts. And in Numbers 29.1, it is called Yom Terah, meaning the day of the shout or the day of the trumpet blast. Well, all of this imagery keeps evangelical believers on high alert. This is because Rabbi Shaul, a.k.a. the Apostle Paul, might have been referring to the Feast of Trumpets when he taught in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 to 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, meaning we're not all going to die, but we shall all be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For he said the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Now, Paul's revelation is called the rapture a Latinized word from the Vulgate Bible that's translated into English as caught up into the clouds. This mass evacuation was also described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 to 17. The language is associated with the Feast of Trumpets. He wrote, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with a trumpet the shofar of God, and the dead and Messiah will be the first to rise. After that, those of us who are alive will be caught up, raptured, translated, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
And so he said, we'll always be with the Lord. So encourage one another with these words. It all sounds fantastical, but keep in mind that these words were also immortalized in the aria, the trumpet shall sound in Handel's famous Messiah Oratorio. I've never been a date setter for the rapture in the clouds, nor for the second coming of Jesus to earth. But I do want everybody to be informed in case we believers, who were largely Israel supporters, suddenly vanish from the earth. The cause of our disappearance will not be due to aliens, UFOs, or conspiracy theories. Rather, the cause will be the rapture, which will signal the end of the church age and the completion of the times of the Gentiles prior to the 70th week of Daniel. And all my Bible references for this are Daniel 9, verses 24 to 27, Luke 21, 24, and Romans eleven twenty-five. 25. Do your homework. Numerous New Testament scholars and commentators teach that the rapture doctrine was prefigured in the Hebrew Bible. For example, the prophet Elijah was suddenly translated to heaven without death. Enoch was also raptured to heaven without dying. But many Israel-supporting Christians flat-out deny the New Testament doctrine of the rapture because they don't believe Israel should be abandoned by us. However, God is well able to protect his remnant people. Furthermore, to insist that the church should be present on earth during Daniel's last and 70th week of Israel's history amounts to a form of replacement theology. In fact, many Christians will be caught unawares by the rapture event because they're not walking in light of biblical prophecies and because they don't understand the times concerning the restoration of Israel. Generally speaking, the patterns of the feasts of the Lord would help to ground believers biblically to understand the times. Christians should be familiar with the Lord's Levitical festivals. Jesus observed all of them as well as Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, as mentioned in John 10 and verses 22 to 23. It was only when the institutional church divorced itself from its biblical Hebrew roots that the feasts of the Lord became largely unknown in Christianity. But does it make any sense that Father God would command the Levitical festivals to be celebrated in the future, according to Zechariah 1416, and not have them widely known today? We must recover the biblical festivals because these holy days will be observed when Jesus returns to restore the Davidic kingdom to Israel. At that time, according to Zechariah 14 and verses 16 to 19, all the nations will be required to come up to Jerusalem to worship the king. Well, the blowing of the shofar in Israel signifies the beginning of 10 days of repentance called the Days of Awe, leading up to Yom Kippur, or the Solemn Day of Atonement, the holiest day on the Hebrew calendar. In fact, the Hebrew calendar is a cycle of redemption, with Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of first fruits in the Spring, followed by Shavuot, which Christians call Pentecost 50 days later. 
In the fall are the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot in Hebrew. Each has significance and meaning with regard to the life, death, resurrection, and return of the Lord Jesus. It's extremely rich and meaningful to study the Hebrew calendar and the Lord's festivals. They are God's appointed seasons for all of his children. The Apostle Peter wrote in the New Testament that we have the prophetic word in this book made more sure, which we do well to heed, as a light that shines in a dark place. So if we don't pay attention to the prophetic word, we'll find ourselves in these days in the dark. Did you know that at least one third of the whole Bible is prophetic? So if we ignore Bible prophecy, we're ignorant of at least one third of God's word. How can we expect to understand the times if we don't avail ourselves of the light of biblical prophecies? That's why so many people are walking in darkness. But believers who are paying attention to the prophetic scriptures will have a clearer understanding of some of the tremendously confusing events that are increasingly happening on a daily basis. Well, now, in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, the Apostle Paul stated that the future tyrant known as the Antichrist will not become known until a falling away comes first, and then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. The man of lawlessness is one of the many titles of Antichrist, who is being held in check by the restraining hand of God until God's restraint is removed. So Paul wrote that before Antichrist is revealed, first there will be a falling away. What does that mean in context? One of my favorite eschatologists, Pastor Andy Woods, wrote a book in which he contends that the word apostasy in this verse meant a departure meaning the rapture of the church. In his book, the title is The Following Away, Spiritual Departure or Physical Rapture, Dr. Woods gives scholarly reasons why he believes 2 Thessalonians 2.3 refers to the physical rapture of the church. Some Bible translations call this falling away the rebellion, but many Bible translations call it the apostasy which is the Greek noun derived from the text apostasia. This Greek word generally means a departure from revealed truth. The majority view is that apostasia is speaking of a spiritual departure, such as when the unbelieving world will embrace the Antichrist. But it could also mean a physical departure in context. Most theologians today believe that the sign Paul gave to the church at Thessalonica was some sort of doctrinal departure. However, there is an entirely different and correct view, according to Dr. Woods, that Paul was referring not to a spiritual departure, but rather to a physical departure, the rapture. If this linguistic view of a physical departure is accurate, Paul was explaining that the physical departure of believers, the pre-tribulation rapture, had not yet occurred and that it would come before the revelation of the Antichrist. Interesting that according to Greek dictionaries, the verb form of the noun apostasia refers to a physical departure 80% of the time. So let's not forget to consider the context. 
In 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul was writing in regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus and to our gathering together to meet him, meaning our gathering together to meet him in the clouds. So it's interesting that the Geneva Bible translates verse 3 like this. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a departure first. Nevertheless, today most theologians assume that apostasy in the church will be the sign that paves the way for Antichrist. And indeed, it's tragic but true that the church itself has thrown off restraint and become lawless. Isn't this exactly what we've seen in the Church of England? In the UK, a recent Times poll found that 53% of clergy are apostate. I recall German evangelist Reinhard Bonke explaining that German theologians had published an official statement rejecting the Pentecostal movement in 1910 as, quote, not from above, but from below, labeling it as satanic. Thankfully, nearly a century later, in 2009, Germany's church leaders publicly repented of that Berlin Declaration. Nevertheless, Hitler arose in an atmosphere of apostasy. And now, once again, we're seeing divine truth trampled upon, not only in churches, but in school libraries, school boards, halls of government, courts, you name it. This illustration shows the descent of apostasy beginning with the lie that the Bible is not infallible, man was not made in God's image, the denial of miracles, no virgin birth, no deity, no atonement, no resurrection resulting in agnosticism and atheism. Thus, humanism rejects absolute standards of morality, righteousness, and truth, and rebelliously says, we'll set our own standards. We'll decide what's good and what's evil, decisions that belong exclusively to God. Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard foresaw the apostasy of our age when he wrote about a fire breaking out backstage in a theater. A clown came out to warn the public. They thought it was a joke and applauded. The more he warned, the more they applauded. And that's how this present age will come to an end, people believing it's all a joke. While Jesus scolded the Pharisees for not discerning the times, he held them accountable to know that he appeared right on schedule according to prophecies in the book of Daniel and other Hebrew prophets, and therefore the religious leaders should have known the time of his first coming. We need to be fully informed lest we be deceived. A new software program is offering people the opportunity to text the Lord. <laughs> Let me clearly say, if you want to hear the voice of the Lord, read this book out loud. He's already given us all his answers in this book, the Bible. The new software program called Text with Jesus introduces users to deceptive chat GPT impersonators. The designer said he deliberately programs Bible characters to sound tolerant. According to a viral post on Reddit, a trans-identifying individual was feeling sad and asked ChatGPT to write a fake Bible passage about Jesus accepting trans people. Well, let me carefully say that God accepts anyone who comes to him in repentance and faith, no matter your sex or gender, 
and not because of our own goodness. We're accepted because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. But this doesn't mean that God accepts us in the way that our culture does. According to Acts 16.31 and Romans 10.9, salvation is a free invitation to all who will believe in the Lord Jesus and call upon his name. The person who asked ChatGPT for a fake statement from Jesus said it was comforting. But dear friends, never take comfort from a lie. That's self-deception. The God of this Bible is the God of all comfort. He offers peace through his Son and through repentance. In fellowship with Jesus, we have a new identity when we're born again. That's the ultimate transition. But something is seriously wrong when the world is offended by everything but sin. Meanwhile, the Chinese government is also busy tampering with the Word of God. According to a report from CBN News, the Chinese Communist Party rewrote John chapter 8, where Jesus challenged the hypocrites who caught a woman in the act of adultery. The blasphemous communist version claims that Jesus stoned the woman and said, I also am a sinner. There are now estimated to be more Christians in China than members of the Communist Party. So party officials are desperate and they're threatened by Christianity. A representative of China Aid told CBN News, Bibles for children are totally forbidden and all the Bible-related apps were removed from every e-commerce app store. Millions of Chinese Christian children were forced to sign a form renouncing their faith in public. In the Mideast, one of the key events of the end times is a coming peace treaty between Israel and her neighbors. We read about this in Daniel 9.27, that the Antichrist will confirm a covenant with many for one week, which is Bible code language, for seven years. And in the midst of the week, after three and a half years, he will cause sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. That means apparently the future Antichrist will set up an abomination that causes desolation in Jerusalem's holy place, declaring himself to be God. All of this will mark the start of the seven-year tribulation period. Before Donald Trump came on the scene, Previous American presidents tried to help Israel manage peace, but often failed. Finally, the Abraham Accords emerged, and now the big fish is clearly Saudi Arabia. Israel and Saudi negotiations behind the scenes are reportedly taking place at a furious pace. After the rapture, the Antichrist will emerge as a man of peace and will probably receive the Nobel Peace Prize, and no doubt he'll be featured as Time Magazine's Man of the Year. The rapture will greatly speed up the end-time agenda because it will be the all-time major impact event, much more impactful than, say, 9-11. Chaos will ensue, and a strong leader will come forward. Well, now, Jeremiah 8.22 asks, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wound of my people? Based on that verse, a sweet spiritual goes like this. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to 
heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in vain, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. According to Israel 365 News, an Israeli farmer is reviving the biblical balm of Gilead, along with plants for incense to be used in the temple when it's rebuilt. The balm of Gilead was renowned for its healing properties and was rare even in biblical times, but disappeared from the region in the 6th century. However, the farmers' efforts to revive biblical agriculture have been hampered by modern politics. One company that partnered with the farmer pulled out due to pressure from the UN's boycott movement against Israeli products. And yet another sign of the times, Americans are currently beset by record levels of debt and are one crisis away from disaster. According to the Wall Street Journal, consumers are being pushed to the financial brink, leading some homeowners to abandon home assurance due to soaring premiums. Without this coverage, of course, homeowners are vulnerable to fires, burst pipes, theft, vandalism, storms, earthquakes, and floods. And here's another shocker. A growing number of Christians who believe in traditional morality are finding themselves without financial services, both in the United States and around the world, as Western leaders engage in actions that are intolerant of Christianity. The World Bank decided to cut off all new funding for the nation of Uganda over a bill that outlaws homosexual child molestation. The bill also outlaws engaging in sexual relations with others while carrying the AIDS virus. An American bank canceled the accounts of a Christian charity that donates humanitarian aid to Uganda, as well as the accounts of the American church that financially supports the work. Engaging in same-sex relations has long been illegal in Uganda, and it's also illegal in at least 30 of Africa's 54 nations. But the World Bank announced that it will not approve any future funding until Uganda comes into line with the bank's social standards. Uganda's president, Yoweri Museveni, describes himself as a born-again Christian and said he refuses to bow to international pressure. He compared international bankers to religious fundamentalists who are intolerant of other faiths. He said it's unfortunate that the World Bank and other actors dare to want to coerce Africans into abandoning their faith, culture, principles, and sovereignty using money. He added, they really underestimate all Africans. Now, during this season of repentance in Israel, I want to share some words of wisdom from the Hebrew for Christians website. In Psalm 19.12, the psalmist asked, who can understand his errors? The Hebrew word translated errors comes from a root word that means to wander, to stray, or to transgress. The question raised by David is rhetorical. Who can discern the errors of his ways? Well, no one can, apart from divine intervention. David asked to be cleansed from these secret faults, which are not just performed in secret, but rather they are unconscious sins that are outside of a person's own sense of awareness sometimes. These are what's called mindless sins, thoughtless offenses, hidden dispositions, character defects, 
and actions that a person unwittingly performs, perhaps because of deep forces of which he or she is somewhat oblivious. Psalm 90 in verse 8 also notes that there are secret sins revealed in the light of God's countenance. These secret sins are the sluggish darkness of the human heart that leads to death and ruin. After all, doesn't Jeremiah 17.9 famously state, The heart is deceitful above all things and incurably sick. Who can understand it? At the end of the day, how many of us are fully aware of the consequences of our actions? How many of us are completely transparent both to ourselves and before God with no unclear motives? So we must always be vigilant. Let's face it. All of us have unhealed, hidden faults of which we're not fully aware. These could be called spiritual blind spots. That's why King David prayed to be purged from these secret faults. If you find yourself unable to let something go, some pain or failure of the past, remind yourself that you must let it go if you want to move on and be healed. Continuing to focus on how things could have been different is an enslavement to the past. The goal of repentance is to turn back to God for life and peace. And to do this, we must be willing to let go of what makes us despair and sick. Amen. And now here's a prayer of protection. This is a proclamation based upon Isaiah 54, 17. This is a verse that belongs to Israel, but there's an overflow upon every grafted-in member in the body of Messiah. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So if somebody has been speaking or praying against you or seeking you evil or harm, or who have rejected you, forgive them. Don't be bound by bitterness. God will shield you according to this marvelous verse. I hear from so many believers who unfortunately are bound by bitterness, how much better and liberating it is to declare to the Lord, no weapon formed against me shall prosper because you alone are my God. You are my shield, my savior, and I choose to submit myself afresh to you in unreserved obedience. And having submitted myself to you, Lord, I do as your word commands. I resist the devil and all of his pressures, his attacks, his sicknesses, his deceptions, every instrument or agent he would seek to use against me to bring me down. I resist in Jesus' name and ask you, Lord, to drive the powers of darkness away from me. Specifically, I make a conscious effort to reject, resist, and repel all infirmities that I may have been tolerating, pain, infection, inflammation, malignancies, allergies, viruses, and every form of witchcraft coming against my life, family, and destiny. Finally, Lord, I thank you that through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, we have been delivered from any curse, and we've entered into the blessings of Abraham, whom you blessed in all things with health, reproductiveness, victory, and God's favor. Thank you, Lord, that we are blessed. Why? in order to be a blessing to others. Amen and amen. A reminder, 
Our website, exports.tv, has all of our videos free to watch, as well as reports on Bible prophecy and end-time events. We invite you to sign up for our weekly email alert and at our Jerusalem Channel app, as well as our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site, you can watch our library videos 24-7. And check out all of our in-depth Substack articles. Friends, the kingdom of God is at hand. Soon we will hear the sound of the shofar and see King Yeshua. If you have any questions in the meantime, feel free to contact me on social media. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom and Maranatha. When you visit the Jerusalem Channel website, you can watch all our videos with closed caption subtitles. Select the closed caption logo at the bottom right corner of the video screen and select English. Jerusalem Channel Facebook page, you can select closed captions in English, Spanish, Portuguese, and Arabic. The Jerusalem Channel YouTube site has closed captions in English.